Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, and welcome to the FT's U.S. Election Podcast. I'm Courtney Weaver, the FT's U.S. Politics Correspondent, and joining me from Washington is Sam Fleming, the FT's U.S. Economics Editor. Hi, Sam. Welcome. Hi, Courtney. Good to be here. Uh, It's been a big week. National security and terrorism returned to the forefront of the campaign uh, following a bombing in New York. These attacks and many others were made possible because of our extremely open immigration system. We know that a lot of the rhetoric we've heard from Donald Trump has been seized on by terrorists, in particular ISIS. They want to use that to recruit more fighters to their cause. Meanwhile, we've had riots in Charlotte, North Carolina that turned violent after an African-American was shot by a police officer there. So, Sam, how do you think the attacks in New York and New Jersey are going to shake up the next 50 days of the race? Do you think that this is going to have a big effect or do you think we're in kind of a holding pattern? Well, I think it will have an effect simply because these are two really hot-button important issues in this campaign. One, uh, in terms of uh, violence and uh, the relationship between the African-American community and the police and police shootings, which is a uh, extremely important issue. And then on top of that, terrorism, which uh, polls suggest uh, a lot of uh, voters, especially Trump supporters, see as one of the one or two top issues that they care about. In terms of whether it changes the dynamics of the campaign at the moment, I think that's less clear. I think really uh, to the next big moment on uh, the campaign trail will come with the debate. So that's when you could really see uh, perceptions shifted, depending on how that debate goes. Yeah, I think with the with the shooting of the um, African-Americans by police officers, it comes as an interesting time because, as we know, Trump has been trying to reach out to black voters. Uh, he was pulling pretty horribly with them uh, for most of the summer. Um, you know, and he, he's been making this argument to them, you know, it can't get any worse for you. Look how bad things are now. But this week he was saying, suggesting that they should expand stop and frisk, which is, you know, the policy they had in New York where you can stop anyone on the street who looks suspicious, that they should expand that to other cities in the U.S. Uh, so I wonder if that will endear him to the African-American community and other communities. Uh, I think the answer is no, it will not uh, endear, endear him. And uh, it's a question really of of who he's reaching out to. Um, I, I haven't seen serious attempts by the Trump campaign to radically increase its share of the African-American vote. I think a lot of what he's been trying to do in his attempts to reach out to African-American voters is also reassure some of uh, his white supporters uh, that uh, he is making efforts on that in that regard. Uh, his polling numbers with African-American voters are really diabolically bad, and it seems unlikely that he's going to radically change that uh, in the next, uh, in less than two months. So in part of part of what his strategy may be when it comes to these policies is um, to, uh, to tell white voters um, with whom he's polling a much 
much better numbers that he he is taking a, a sophisticated a more sophisticated and and cautious approach in terms of uh, issues and community relations yeah and i think it, you it was important that you mentioned that you know trump voters one of the issues they are most concerned about is national security uh, and I guess you could say the same thing about Clinton voters to a certain extent. Um, and the two candidates obviously have very different proposals, policy proposals for how they're going to keep America safe. Um, and it's interesting, I think, just because, you know, Hillary Clinton was secretary of state, you know, she has all the kind of political credentials that, you know, give, make help her make the argument that she would be a strong commander in chief. But obviously, Trump supporters, you know, they they like this idea of the wall, they like this idea of the proposed Muslim ban to some extent. And that you know he's going to take more drastic measures to to keep the country safe. Yeah, absolutely. And so the question that's been running through the whole period leading up to this election is whether um, America could be hit by a significant terrorist incident and whether that would give an opportunity to Trump to uh, reinforce this idea that actually you need very hardline response, uh, policy response to terrorism in the US. Um, So this has been a continual thing that people have been watching out for. And I guess it remains to be seen whether the attack that we have seen now, uh, these bombings do constitute something which will uh, swing uh, opinion behind tougher, um, tougher responses in this area. Exactly. And now just to segue a little bit, you've had uh, two really great pieces that have come out over the past week. Uh, the first is looking at how these improve, improving economic figures could affect the, the election. And the second one is specifically about the state of Florida, which we all know plays a pivotal role in pretty much every U.S. election, uh, and especially this year. Uh, so let's start, I guess, with the economy. We saw some improving improving figures last week. Is this something that could work in Hillary Clinton as the Democratic nominee's uh, work to her advantage, or do you think that it won't actually have an effect on the race? Well, I think it's certainly very good news for the Obama administration because the the missing element of the recovery story they've been trying to tell has been income growth, uh, which has been very stagnant. We've just seen year after year of declines in real uh, in inflation-adjusted incomes. Um, however, now you did, did see in 2015 a 5.2% uh, increase in household incomes. That's a huge leap. It's the biggest on record. Uh, and so the Obama administration was able to say, well, look, actually, our policies are working. And clearly, part of the campaign being run by Hillary Clinton is to say, um, don't change horses midstream. We're in the middle of a recovery. The Obama administration has been doing great stuff. I was once part of that administration. And, um, you know, vote for me and you'll see See more of the same. So it does help that. I think it does help that that um, that narrative. Um, I think the question really is whether um, whether this election is going to come down to the economy stupid or not. And I think it's a little early to uh, to say that. Um, so many of the other issues which we've been referring to now, for example, terrorism, um, are also very much on people's minds. Uh, and the other question is whether um, there is a feel-good factor in the pop- in, in, in amongst the American population that uh, Clinton can harness or not. Um, I think it need, it's a very delicate balancing act. If if Clinton goes out and says, "Look, you know, we're off to the races, and the recovery, the recovery is really working for people," a lot of people will say she's out of touch. Uh, this is an example of the Washington elite not really realizing what's going on for all people. Um, And polling evidence is kind of mixed as to whether people feel there's a really strong recovery.
periphery. Uh, on the one hand, you have you have Obama's um, uh, approval ratings, which are pretty high, and that could be a sign uh, that people are feeling economically um, more positive. On the other hand, a lot of polling evidence says uh, suggests people think the the U.S. is on the wrong track. Uh, now, what that means is is debatable. That could mean any number of things, but it certainly does suggest that there's a discontent out there which uh, politicians need to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I mean, I've definitely noticed that over the past year at Donald Trump rallies, at Bernie Sanders rallies, you know, these are these are not just Republicans who are complaining about the economy. It's people who feel like they've been left behind, and even if the stock market is doing better, uh, and some people, some companies have recovered from the crash of 08. Uh, you know, it hasn't filtered down to a lot of households' uh, pocketbooks. Almost every single Hillary Clinton rally, and Bill Clinton rally for that matter, you know, they always make the argument the economy does better under Democrats. Um, but I think it's hard for a lot of people to kind of see these figures and actually see it have an effect on their, their actual lives. I think that's right. I think you... Um also have the issue of inequality, which is clearly a major issue. The sense that it's only the rich who are doing well in society has become quite pervasive. And the sense of income stagnation has also become quite pervasive. So I think one set of numbers for one year are not going to suddenly revolutionize how people see the economy. There must be a lag uh, in people's perceptions of the economy and the the news they see coming out. Yeah. Um, And obviously, one state that we're looking at in particular, both with the economy and other issues, is Florida. Uh, So you made a big trip to Celebration Florida last week. Um, How did you decide to go to Celebration? I wanted to go to a city, a town rather, which is on the I-4 corridor, because that is traditionally seen as the part of Florida that can swing elections. The I-4 corridor is a, is, a, is effectively a, a strip of land um, running along the I-4 highway between Tampa um, to the west and um, and all running through Orlando, um, just to, towards the east of Tampa, uh, heading northeast. Um and so I wanted to choose a part of the I-4 corridor where you're seeing some of the different trends that are running uh, and affecting the, the Florida election. Those trends being partly older voters, especially white voters, who are beginning to support Trump, uh, at least part of that population is. And that, that's why I went to Celebration, which is a, a fairly prosperous and uh, about 90% white uh, town on the I-4, um, and also Hispanic voters whose numbers are growing very rapidly along the I-4 corridor. And in the same county in which uh, Celebration is located, uh, you also see a very rapidly rising Hispanic population, people who um, are not all doing as well as some of those voters in Celebration, uh, which is a very prosperous town, uh, and to get a sense of how they're going to vote uh, when it comes to the November election. And, you know, we always talk about, obviously, Florida being this this pivotal state for the election. It was the site of the recount in 2000. And this year, basically everyone, conservative pundits, liberal pundits are all saying, you know, to win the election, Trump really needs to win Florida. Why is that? Florida is an extremely valuable state in terms of the number of electoral votes that it confers. It confers 29 electoral votes. It's a very rapidly growing population. If you look at the other big states, California tends to go to the Democrats. Uh, Texas tends to go to the Republicans. New York tends to go to the Democrats. So this is effectively the most valuable battleground state which can really go either way. And we've just seen repeatedly through history that not Florida gets determined on very, very narrow margins. So for Trump, this is a very, very important state. It's a very important state for Hillary Clinton. Um, but uh, because of the way the the, um, the votes fall across the United States, uh, she does have a larger number of paths towards 
the White House than Trump. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Trump really needs to win Florida. Now, as the polling has narrowed in the recent days, we, we need to continue to reassess that, that judgment because I think um, Trump's uh, pathways may be growing somewhat. Yes, but I think I think even if he has, even if he you know wins New Hampshire, if he wins Iowa, some people are even talking about Wisconsin now. I think he still really needs to win Florida. I mean, he ne- he really needs these twenty nine votes. And I think another interesting thing to point out is just you know as a state, there are a lot of states you know that are predominantly white, you know, or who have like a, a larger minority population. And Florida, I think, is a pretty good microcosm for the U.S. as a whole. You obviously have a very large Hispanic minority. Um, you have a lot of older affluent white voters, a lot of blue collar white voters, a lot of evangelical voters. So it's kind of a good bellwether for the country as a whole, I think, and how the candidates will perform nationally. I think that's absolutely right. Um, and again, to, to, to focus on the I-4 corridor, a lot of a lot of what you see in Florida is concentrated along that uh, geographical area. So it's an extremely important uh, place, and that's why you see the candidates focusing so much attention there. For example, Clinton was in Orlando earlier this week uh, campaigning. So you know, I think telling the fact that very soon after she finished her rest leave because of her pneumonia diagnosis, she was on the trail and going straight back to Florida. A lot of people look at, you know, they think of Florida, they think big Hispanic population, Puerto Rican, Cuban. And I think it might be baffling to some people, you know, Trump with all his inflammatory statements towards Hispanics. How is it that Trump and Clinton are locked in such a close race in the state? Where does Trump make up ground? Trump makes up ground with the the white population, um, with older voters, um, for whom the "Let's Make America Great Again" slogan uh, is is very impactful. Uh, a lot of those older voters I spoke to really do feel that the U.S. has taken somehow a wrong turn, uh, is not what it used to be, is a weaker country than it used to be, and that Trump is is speaking the truth on on that front. Um, the other point about the Hispanic uh, population is that traditionally they have not turned out to vote in the same numbers that other sections and demographic groups have turned out. So African-American voters turn up in, in higher proportions. White voters tend to turn up in higher proportions. So while uh, many of those Hispanics are alienated by uh, Trump's uh, anti, uh, more xenophobic uh, language uh, directed towards Mexico, for instance, and towards immigration, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will have um, the impact on the election uh, that their raw numbers in terms of a share of the overall population would suggest. Uh, the other point is the Cuban population, Cuban-American population down uh, in Miami has traditionally been a slightly more Republican-leaning uh, population. So the idea that um, Hispanics are one big block, which go <laughs> one way or the other, is obviously massively simplifies right. uh, simplifies the nature of this part of the electorate. Yeah. And I think one other interesting thing to point out, I've just been spending time with the Trump campaign here in Orlando today. I mean, I'd forgotten the figures for 2012. Mitt Romney only lost the state by about 75,000 votes. Um, You know, we forget that it was so close here. And actually, there's been a huge increase in the number of registered Republicans in the state. So even though there are still a larger number of registered Democrats than Republicans, I think the number of overall registered Republicans is now, they've closed the gap between Republicans and Democrats by about 250,000 or something, you know, which obviously makes up that 74,000 difference. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Yeah, I mean, the the 2012 election was uh, Florida was the only state to be decided by a margin of less than one percentage point between the candidates. So it's a real nail biter, I think, November the 8th. Yeah. So next week, the candidates will meet face to face on Monday night in the first debate of the general election. 
and we will be live blogging it on ft.com. Thanks, Sam, for joining us. And thanks, everyone else, for listening. You can check out our election forecast and get a better understanding of which states are in play at ft.com forward slash polls. And you can also find us on Twitter at Courtney underscore FT and Sam is at Sam One Fleming. And be sure to sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, White House Countdown at ft.com forward slash NBE. That stands for News by Email. ft.com forward slash NBE. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.